Do you worry? That's a silly question. <laughs> of course, right? If anybody were to ask a question and somebody say no to that, you'd think they were crazy, right? You must be joking. We have, we have all sorts of things to worry about these days. We, we have to worry about money. There doesn't seem to be enough money to go around. and We have to cut budget to make things work out, make ends meet. Uh, we have to worry about our families and worried about our children, worried about their influences and what's going on in their lives and who is doing what to them uh, and their influence and teaching them and training them and who their friends are. Uh, we worry about that. Uh, we may be worried about our jobs. Uh, we may not know that we're going to keep it much longer. We may be uh, not liking our jobs. Or it may, things may not be going well. We may not be treated well. Uh, we have all sorts of things to be worried about, and that's the kind of where we stand uh, in our society. We can be worried about our health. Uh, now I have to not eat trans fats, apparently, so now I'm really concerned about that. I've got to go back and buy all those bags of chips to see if there was any trans fat in there. This is the society we live in now that is, that is, that is full of worry and concern and anxiety. And what is interesting is that the, the Bible tells us and that God offers you and I a worry-free life. As impossible as that sounds, God said, I'm willing to give you a life that, that's free from worries. One of our main texts today will be Philippians 4. Do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it's, that first sentence takes a lot of English words to do what two Greek words state, which is literally no worry or nothing worry. That's what the first two Greek words are. And we have to determine it, do not worry about anything. Two, no worry. That's what Paul said, no worry. This is the life that he's offering to the Christians, is that there should be no worry. And, and I know if you're like me, as I'm thinking, now how is that possible? Uh, can, can we really live a life that's free from worry? Is that really possible? With all the things that are going on, with, with, with all the things that we have to take care of in life, with, with so many concerns for, from work and family and school and jobs and all the things that, that we have to take care of on a regular basis... Is that really possible? And what I want to do then is spend some time in our other main text, which is Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus also says the exact same thing. He commands us not to worry. And that's, that's interesting that we're not going to read where Jesus says, now, uh, if you follow me, you really shouldn't worry. That's kind of how I, I, I like to read this in, in my own mind. Therefore, I tell you, you shouldn't worry about life or what you will eat or about or your body or what you will wear. Is that not how we pretty well read that text? Now, you shouldn't worry about things, right? But we do. <laughs> I know I shouldn't. God told me I shouldn't. Actually, back up a second. He didn't tell you you shouldn't. He told you not to. <laughs> Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will wear. Don't worry about what you will eat. And mind you, what, what you will eat is not... Now, well, should we go to Olive Garden or Red Lobster this afternoon? 
What will you will eat means if you will eat at all. Do not worry if you will eat. And as, now if you put it in terms like that, I'm going to be worried. You know me. Every four hours I'm going to be eating. I'm going to be, be passed it on the floor. I'm going to go, oh boy, oh boy. That's what he said. I tell, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Are you worried about your life? Of course I am. <laughs> of course we are. Worried about things that are going to happen in your life? Worried about your body? Worried about what you're going to do? Things that have to be done? Got all sorts of demands upon my life, upon my schedule. And I just want us to begin by realizing that we could, we could stop the lesson here and we'll just all go home. We'll, we'll break out the invitation song. We'll get Mark back up here. Jesus told you not to worry, so let's all go home and not worry because we're told not to do it. You know, period, done. Well, as we know, it's not that easy. But I want us to see, though, that not only did Paul say that nothing worry, no worry, the Christian should have a worry-free life, Jesus commanded it of us not to have a, a worryful life. Notice in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 27, he tells us worry is useless. And you and I know this, but we forget this. Matthew 6, 27, can any of you add a single hour to your life by worrying? And, and this is just an impressive reminder that for some reason, you and I just love when something goes wrong or things are stressful or whatever is going on. We love to engage in worry. Even though worry is the most unproductive, unfruitful thing you could possibly do. Worry never fixes anything. It just, it never fixes one thing. And yet that makes us feel better for some reason. It makes us feel human or makes us feel normal that we feel like, well, if I go ahead and uh, worry about it, that will make it better. If I worry about all the trans fats I just ate over my lifetime, that's going to make a difference. It won't make any matter whatsoever. If I worry about money, somehow there'll become more money in the bank. If I worry about my job, somehow my job will get better. It never happens. But we engage in worry in every aspect of our lives. We could worry about one problem or one circumstance, and yet those things never change. The problem never gets better because of worry. And circumstances do not change because of worry. And in fact, you know and I know, worry makes things worse. I get more physically worn out. I get physically distressed. I get emotionally upset and mentally worn down by worry. It doesn't, not only does it not make things better, worry, we will all admit, makes us worse. It makes us feel worse. It makes us think improperly. It drives us crazy. And we fret and wring our hands about things that are going on. And we forget that that's not doing any good. It's not fixing anything. It's not changing anything. And all that we're doing is destroying our own physical health and our own emotional well-being. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus says that right here. What's that going to change? Can you add a cubit to your stature? Can you add an hour to your life? No, you can't fix one bit of that. But to go a little bit further, God goes on in, in there in Matthew chapter 6, and he says, you know, not only is worrying dumb, can I say it that way? Is that if we worry, that's, that's dumb because it doesn't do any good. We're, we're 
doing something unproductive, completely useless. I mean, none of us like to do things that are useless, and yet we like to do this useless thing. But not only is he saying, you know, that's dumb, but it also, it's ungodly. Worry reflects a lack of trust in God. And that's why you see Jesus end with these words and discussing the need to be free from worry when he says, He's speaking about the grass of the fields and the flowers and how God takes care of them. He says, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? If you remember last week's lesson, we saw Jesus was sleeping in the boat. He, he's comfortable and the, the disciples are on the boat in the Sea of Galilee and there's a great storm that arises And Jesus is sleeping through all of it. The disciples are panicking. They're saying, we're about to die. We're perishing. Uh, Get up and do something. And remember what Jesus' response was? He doesn't get up. That's why I love that. He just looks at them and just, why are you you panicking? Oh, you of little faith. You're not trusting. And that's what Jesus is concluding in talking about worry. What it boils down to is you and I are not trusting God when we worry. Oh, us of little faith. When we worry about money, when we worry about our health, when we worry about our job, when we worry about all the various circumstances and difficulties and problems, what we are saying to God is that I do not trust you to take care of this. I'm taking it into my own hands. And that's why I like how Jesus said a couple verses earlier, are you not much more valuable than they? Here's all of creation, that the grass grows, the flower continues, the birds of the air do just fine. They're all self-sufficient. This, this amazing globe that God has created continues to run no matter what we do to it or choose not to do to it. It goes and goes and goes and goes. God takes care of it. God has, has made everything in, in, in great form. Such that, do the birds seem to go fretting around and worrying? How much more valuable are we over grass, over flowers, and over birds? We just took the Lord's Supper. We're reminded every Sunday how valuable we are to God. He allowed His Son to be murdered because He loves us so much. How much more valuable are we. He did not send His Son for the grass or the flowers or the birds, and yet they are provided for and taken care of in every day and every way. How much more valuable are we? And so we need to be mindful that the reason not to worry is because God cares. God knows. And we are supposed to place our trust in God that He will take care of these circumstances. And I love the the. the Ending of it in chapter chapter 6 and verse 34 as he gets to the end of that chapter. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble uh, of its own. That, that's, that's, that's almost, is Jesus being a little ironic, sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek to you and me right there? Don't worry about tomorrow, let it worry about itself. <laughs> that has to be humor right there. <laughs> It will worry about itself. You don't worry about it. You don't worry about it. It'll worry about it. You have enough to do with today. Live your life today. Because all the things that you're worried about happening tomorrow, all those things about health, money, job, and all that stuff, that's all tomorrow's stuff. None of that's ever today's stuff. 
I don't know that anybody sits on the, on the couch and says, I'm going to die today. Nobody says, I don't have money today. I don't have a job today. It's always about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about self. Take care of today. And he's reminding us about that. There's enough that you and I have to do today as foolish of us to look down into the future and to be so concerned about everything down the road. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to change. We don't know how things will resolve or evolve or make any change whatsoever. Things may stay just like they are. Things may change dramatically. Who knows? Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Take care of today. What I want to do then is just most importantly then talk about how do we stop? (laughs) Jesus commanded, do not worry. He said, worry is useless. You and I know that within ourselves, how useless worry is. He said it's ungodly that what we are showing is that we do not have a trust in God. So how do we break from worry? Back to our other main text in Philippians 4. We have Paul saying what we need to do is pray more. He said, no worry. Do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I want you to see that he says, you, you don't worry about things, but through prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. And I want us to see a couple other texts where this is the prescription that God repeatedly offers for dealing with worry and anxiety. You have problems, you have concerns, you have these things that you just don't know how they're going to turn out. Here's what he says to do. Pray. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus was teaching his disciples that they should always pray and not lose heart or be discouraged. James chapter 5 and verse 13, is any among you suffering? Worry. That's what James said. Any among you really having a lot of problems with your life? Wring your hands. Pace the floor. Pray. We do everything but that. <laughs> we... We, we go through tremendous mental anguish. We go through uh, beating ourselves over the head. And we go through so much stress that we place upon ourselves. And we, just, we go through many mental gymnastics of what are we going to do? Things are terrible. I don't know what to do. I understand that. Believe me, it's not like I don't understand that. I understand that exact same feeling. Do it all the time. You, you have the crushing weight of major life tribulations and problems and suffering that will be placed on your shoulders. What are you going to do? Will worrying fix it? He says pray. And I want you to see that sometimes we often relegate prayer to only the, the real big things, right? You know, if it's really of major importance, that's the only time we can talk to God. But I want you to see that he said in everything. That's what's interesting about the the contrast of how Paul words this here is is nothing worry, but everything pray. That's the idea. Nothing worry, whatever's going on, no worry. Everything pray. So that doesn't mean just pray about, you know, I'm I'm having trouble with sin and temptation. You pray about that. Pray about your job. Pray about your finances. Pray about your marriage. Pray about your children. 
Pray about every single aspect. As soon as that moment arises, when you begin to feel that anxiety that wells up within you, you, you know that feeling. You know, it starts wrenching up inside and, and you start beginning to fret and you start beginning to worry. You know that feeling, as a, that sinking feeling. Pray. That's what we just said to do right there. Don't allow it to keep going. Don't sit there and continue to dwell on it and think, what am I going to do? This is terrible. And start going through the, all the things that we often go through. And don't start going through the doom and gloom scenarios. And don't start thinking about how if this happens and that's going to make all this happen, these things are going to be worse. Don't do that. As soon as you hit that point, this is what he says. Pray. Don't worry. Pray. Everything. Whatever it is. doesn't matter how small. It doesn't matter how big. It doesn't matter how insignificant it might seem to you in your mind or how great it may be to someone else. Pray. Let your request be made known to God. That is the first and primary response that you and I have to get. If we want to have the worry-free life, if we want to be able to live up to the command that, that Jesus said, do not worry about your life, about your body, or what you will eat, or what you will wear. If we want to get to that point where we can say, I do not worry. <laughs> and boy, when people cross their eyes at us, right, as we ask that question, you don't worry? No. Why? Because I'm giving it to God. That's what God wants us to do. He says, don't have to, you don't have to deal with it yourself. You don't have to live with that burden and let it eat you up all day long. You don't have to allow the stress to destroy you. The anxiety to just build and build and build. Pray. And we don't often do that. We don't often think to do that first. And I want to emblazon that into our mind. When that time comes, and it might be a small thing that will come up this afternoon, and it might be a bigger thing on Monday morning at work, and it might be a bigger thing next year with family. Pray. Whatever it is, pray. Worry won't do you any good. Worry won't change the outcome. Make your request to the one who can change the outcome. And so that is one way we break worry. The other way that we need to break worry is by being thankful. And I read that because it's in Philippians 4, let, let, your, let your requests be made known to God. He says, in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. What? How are you supposed to be thankful when you're worried? Right? I mean, are, isn't that the whole problem? Is that things aren't going good? We're thankful when things are going well. When things are going good, let, let, I'll give my thanks to God. But, you know, right now, things are really a mess. Things are things are, are a challenge. And so, how am I supposed to be thankful? I thought David had a really good example of this. Let me set the story before we read the text. David, he, he, he is not a warrior. He's not a soldier. He's a shepherd. He's just a boy. We don't know how old. But there's one big bad soldier who is tearing up Israel, and his name's Goliath. And there is no soldier in all of Israel that wants to go up to this man. I, sometime back in our classes, I 
taped a piece of paper up here to try to show how high it was. It's higher than reaching up here. It was a nine-foot-tall man. It's huge. Well, I think that'd be cause of worry. Here is this man who's going to wipe out the nation of Israel, and nobody wants to go up in all the army of Israel. They don't want to go. You've got to be kidding me. They're all running and turning tail as well. David said to Saul, after Saul, David has volunteered and said, I'm going to go fight this Goliath. And Saul said, no, you're not. You're not a soldier. You're not a boy. David said, your, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from, the, from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. This is a really interesting argument that David makes, such that even Saul says, okay, you can, you can go fight this guy and uh, good luck to you, oh, uh, under six foot David and over nine foot Goliath. That should be a really fair shepherd versus trained soldier. Uh, wipeout is what we would put that on the paper. Uh, David, what does he do? He says, well, you know what happened, Saul? I've been out with my, my sheep out, out there in the countryside. <laughs> And you know, they'll happen where a lion or a bear arises and, and gets a hold of one of my sheep. So you know what I do? Would you be worried, by the way? Oh my. <laughs> a bear. <laughs> you know, sheep's yours. <laughs> you know, I'm out of here. Lion, I'm done. Well, what does David do? Oh, I, well, I got my stick and I, I snatched that sheep back and I started beating on it. And notice who says, and when the bear turned on me, whoa. <laughs> You just can visualize the bear on its hind legs. When the bear turned on me angry, David beat the bear. He struck down the lion. That's what he says. When that bear and that lion came after me, I struck them down by the hand of God. What does this argument have to do with Goliath? Why tell this story? You know, this is like, David, are you just telling a good sweet story here about how you whoop up on lions and bears? You know, uh, whoopee-doo. Here, here is Goliath with a sword and a shield. What does that have to do with anything? Here's what it has to do with it. David told Saul, I've been in stressful, difficult circumstances in the past, and God delivered me. My life was on the line with the lion and the bear, and God got me through. It was a lesser circumstance but a difficult circumstance nonetheless. And I know that God will get me through now. That was the argument he was making to Saul. I've been through difficult things in the past. Not as significant. Never fought a nine-foot giant before. Never fought a warrior before. But God got me through fighting bears and lions. Therefore, God will get me through this now. That is the premise what Paul is arguing about in everything with prayer and petition with thanksgiving make your request be made known to God is that we are remembering that God delivered before is this the first time you've ever worried in your life 
First time something bad's happened to you? Circumstance didn't go the way you thought it would go? Some difficulty? First time ever. 31 years of my life, I tell you, this year's been my first bad year. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Must be joking. What's he say? Remember how God got you through last time. Remember the last time you were out of money and didn't know how you were going to get through? Remember the last time your job was really difficult and you didn't know how you were going to get by? Remember the last time you had trouble with the kids and didn't know how it was all going to work out? Remember the last time your health was really bad or family member's health was really bad and you didn't know what was going to happen? He's saying, remember. Remember what God did in the past and let that stand to help you today. And I find it great that it's not in a reverse that David says, these things over here were worse. Today is not as bad, and that's how I'm able to get through. It wasn't that way. The lion and the bear were the lesser. And he extrapolated that from the lesser and said, this is worse. What I'm going through today is a lot worse than what happened before. But because God got me through before, I can take the worst now. Not, things were things have always been worse then. Things are better now. No, no, that's not the way he sees it. Right then, at that moment, was the challenge and the test. And as all of Israel worried about this giant, and you can imagine all of them wringing their hands, what are we going to do? They're going around the countryside. What are we going to do? The armies are fleeing. Who's going to take care of this guy? David trusted God. That's what it all boiled down to. And that's what we talked about worry. Worry is a lack of trust in God. David did not worry. He said, God will get me through. And that's exactly what the story goes on to tell us. As he went out and faced Goliath. In Paul's story, he concludes and says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds. This is the end result. I don't know if we've read it this way or combined the first sentence with the second sentence, but all of these things are being put together. If you will put your trust in God, really do it. Realizing that worry is useless, realizing worry is ungodly, realizing the first time I get those feelings of anxiety and concern, things are going on, I'm going to pray to God and I'm going to bolster my faith by remembering how all the myriads of other times that I worried, it didn't do me any good, but God got me through. Notice what we can have. Do you like to have peace in your life? I don't know that we could quantify exactly how great of an offer God is making right there to say there is an internal peace that you and I can have when we shift the burdens of life off of ourselves and put them on God. In fact, he says it defies understanding. It surpasses all knowledge. But it will guard your heart and guard your mind. You wound up about things in life. Give it to God. They'll bring you peace. If you really transfer all of that to God, and you really let all of that be in God's hands, that's how you can then be okay. I understand that all the more. (laughs) 
I understand that all the more with, with my daughter. I've seen new faces in the audience. That my, my daughter diagnosed with a genetic disorder. I understand that all the more. So, so people, how do, you, how do you survive that? How do you get through that? Don't know what the future is going to be. Very hopeful about the future. Don't know. You give it to God. Is worry going to do me any good for her? And am I showing God any good value within myself if I go bananas and bonkers? No. I've been asked to trust God. And what I've been given is I have to take the things that have happened in my life in the past, smaller they may be, and extrapolate, God will get me through this. And that's what you have to do. You look back in your life and see the smaller things and go, God got me through that. And we forget how bad times sometimes things were in the past. I easily forget mass, living in Kentucky and having two cars utterly destroyed by softball size. I mean, I laugh when they talk about dime size. I just go stand outside. Softball size. Blew the glass out of anything that was facing them. It was the most unbelievable sight you've ever seen. Man put holes in the metal of people's cars. It was just ridiculous hail. I forgot all about that. At the time, that was a tragedy. Ample and I were dirt poor. We just lost both our cars. We were driving around with hefty bags taped on there trying to, because there was glass blowing out. I vacuumed glass out of the trunk for a month. It was crazy. It took half a year to get glass. Talk about a glass shortage. Blow a whole city out of glass and then see how soon you can get glass replaced. Oh, man. Forgot about all that. Why? Because God got me through. I didn't see how we were going to ever buy a new car again. My goodness, lost two cars. That's great. What are we going to do now? I forget about it. Why have I forgotten about it? Because it's fine now. Don't forget how God got you through. God got you through those difficult times. Don't forget it. I want to leave you with 1 Peter 5, verse 7. I translated this literally, because it, so you might know cast your cares on him. I mean, this is what it, if you took it in its order, all your worries, throw on him, because he cares about you. That's what Peter said right there. Take all of your worries, and the word is throw, and I like throw. Throw it off of you and throw it on God. Throw your worries to God. Why? Because he cares. How much more valuable are we than all these things of the earth? How much more valuable are we than the grass, than the flowers, than the birds? And yet these things are taken care of. Throw all your worries on Him and He'll take care of you. Think about whatever you're going through right now and how you can resolve that Can you imagine being able to get to the point where you can say, I have the worry-free life. I don't have to worry. We can get there. God is commanding us to be there. To have that kind of trust in God that no matter how difficult or terrible the circumstance comes up, we trust God. And we don't worry. 
Yeah, the, our gut will turn upside down and somersault a few times, but you give it to God. As soon as that happens, get down on your knees and take all of your worries and throw them on God. Let Him get you through that. Remember, He's got you through before. He'll do it again. Don't worry. Trust instead. I'm going to sing, we're going to sing a song now, and we're inviting you to put your trust in God. Leave the worries of life behind. He's begging you. He's loving you. He's saying, look, you are so valuable to me that I've offered my, my one and only son to die for your sins. That's why I love, I love Romans chapter 5, that God proves his love for us. He proves his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died. He's proven it already. What are we worried about? He's already done the greatest act that possibly could be done to show how much you and I are worth to him, how much he cares for us. Take all your worry. Throw it on God. Let God lead you through. While we sing this song, we invite you to come to Jesus Christ, to serve him with all of your heart, and to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins if you have not done so. Please serve him. Please trust him. Please submit to him in obedience while we stand and while we sing.